But I say, did not Israel know? That's the objection. That's the, that's the question here that it's framed as in verse number 19. Well, what do we look at this morning? Well, they just didn't hear. We handled that. Now, well, they just don't know. And so this now is what Paul is going to answer, this objection of, did, did, did not Israel know? <laughs> and before we get into the text, I want to talk to you about the three types of ignorance that are without excuse. Three types of knowledge that are without excuse. The first is the, just the sheer neglect of knowledge. Uh, someone can use genuine ignorance can be used as a legitimate excuse. Look, I just didn't know. I genuinely had no idea. So is that what this is? Because if it was, that would have been a legitimate excuse. But it's not what this is. So Paul is going to address this objection. Well, they just didn't know. Neglect of knowledge is not a legitimate excuse. You can't blame a person for not knowing what he never had a chance to know. That would be unjust. You can't blame somebody for that. You can blame somebody if they're just neglecting to know what was always open and it was always before them to know. And that's what's going on with Israel. It's always been open to them to know. It's just a neglect of knowledge. So they are at blame. If you sign a contract, for example, in this world, and you fail to read the terms and conditions or you just breeze through them, and then you say, well, I didn't know that the terms and conditions really said this, you can be blamed for that. That's just neglect of knowledge. That's your fault. Oh, I didn't know. The terms or conditions are right there in front of you. You just didn't read them. You're responsible for failing to know what you should have known. Moms, how many times have you said, dads, how many times have you said, you should have known better? <laughs> you should have known better. That's the same idea. You're just neglecting knowledge. The second type of ignorance is just the willful neglect of knowledge. And there are people, they just shut off their brain they just close their ears, close their eyes. They just don't want to look at it, hear about it, or see it. And look, you can be 100% certain that a certain habit or a certain lifestyle or a certain sin is going to end this way. But you just willfully neglect the knowledge that you have about it and you just continue to go down that road. It's your fault. <laughs> it's like, ask any cigarette smoker. Do you think cigarette smoking is good for you? They're really not going to lay out an argument. Yeah, it is good. You know, you get natural tobacco and all that. And it's real sure. It's good for you. Nobody would argue that. They would all say, yeah, I know, man, what a bad habit this is. They know they're going to end up with emphysema. It's just a willful ignorance. And people are to blame. You can't... Um, if you refuse to look at the facts, it's your own fault. And the last type is just the ignorance of lying. 
God gave all of us, whether you're saved or unsaved, God gave all of us a conscience. Those of us that are saved, not only do we have a conscience, but now we have the indwelt Holy Spirit. We know right from wrong because we have, the, we have a conscience if you're not saved and you have the Holy Spirit if you are saved. Um, and we just need to be careful of saying things like, well, I just never knew it was going to turn out this way. Instead of just owning up to the fact and just not lying about it, just owning it and saying, you know what? Yeah, that was a mistake. And Paul is driving home what I'm trying to drive home now regarding ignorance in relation to personal responsibility. So Paul is trying to drive that home to the Jewish people uh, that you are responsible. You guys should have known better. You had, they had every chance to know better. And when you look at Romans chapter number 10, uh, it says, But I say, did not Israel know? And then look at the third verse in the chapter. For they being what? Ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For they being ignorant. Verse number 3 is an example of willful ignorance. When it says in verse 3, for they being ignorant, they're just willfully ignoring the facts that have been before them. They're willfully ignoring everything that God has given them and blessed them with. And that's where they're at as a nation. So Paul answers this objection of this ignorance or not knowing by using three Old Testament quotes as he closes out this chapter. Bible says in verse number 19, but I say, did not Israel know? That's the question, and it's the objection that's being addressed. And now watch this. First, Moses saith. The first quote he uses is from Moses. I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people, and by a foolish nation, I will anger you. Go back to the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 32, and let's look at it ourselves. Deuteronomy 32 and we'll look at verse 21. Did you know that there were this many, that chapter 10 was loaded with this many Old Testament quotes? I mean, I knew it was there, but until I got in studying it, I didn't realize it's chock full of the Old Testament. Look at verse 21. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, 21. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God, they have provoked me to anger with their vanities and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. They provoke God because they went after other gods and they lived a life full of vanity. By the way, if we do the same thing, it's equally as wrong and equally as sinful. And we have to be careful of that, especially as American Christians, because we are so used to uh, just a lot of comforts here. Well, what God did was, in chapter number 10 of Romans, He said, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. Deuteronomy it comes from. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. 
Romans 10.19 is a quote from Deuteronomy 32.21. And so Paul does this because he's shutting down any argument where Israel, anybody from the nation of Israel could say to Paul, well, we just didn't know. No, you know. You knew. And Moses, it's a prophetic look. When Moses, when these words are inspired, it's a prophetic look where any Jew can look back. If they hear Romans, they can look back to Deuteronomy and say, yeah, wow, yeah, it's there. It's right there in front of them. Right in Deuteronomy 32. And the ironic thing which Paul is trying to get them to see is, look, if a foolish nation can understand righteousness by faith, and you can't, do you see how silly that is? You see how ridiculous of an argument that is? It's like you have two kids. One is five. One is 25. And the 25-year-old isn't getting it. And they're using the excuse, well, I didn't know. So you point back to the five-year-old and you say, you've had this training for 25 years. And this five-year-old has it, and you don't. Don't tell me you don't know. You know you just willfully are ignoring it. <laughs> That's what the nation is trying to do. So Paul says, how about Moses? Let's go and look at what, see what he said. You see that foolish nation over there? They're getting it and you're not. And you've had years and years and years and years of me revealing information to you and you refuse to get it. It's their own fault. And if you don't want to see and if you don't want to hear God's word, you're the fool. They're the fool if they don't want to do that. And so God seeks to provoke that nation to jealousy. So that's the first quote. Um, in Romans 10. Let's go back there and look at verse 22. First, he says to Moses, now second, in verse number 20, watch what it says, but Esaias is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. And that's a quote from, guess where? The book of Isaiah, chapter number 65. So let's go there. I know you got your spot. Isaiah 65. Those that sought me not, those that asked not after me. It's hard to claim ignorance to a worldwide gospel, Israel, when the heathen, when the heathen nations are getting it. <laughs> okay? Quit it with the I didn't know argument. Okay? <laughs> Gentile nations are getting it. Don't tell me you don't get it. So it goes back to Isaiah 65. and Watch what it says in the first verse. It's the quote. I am salt of them that ask not for me. I am found of them that salt me not. <laughs> I said, behold me, behold me unto a nation that was not called by my name. Israel, you were continually warned and told you would, be you would despise me and I would turn to another nation that's not seeking after me. And so that prophet, not only Moses, but now Isaiah is used to show them 
You continue to despise my word. Go ahead, continue to do it. I am going to turn to this Gentile nation. Continue to despise my word. I'm going to turn to a Gentile nation. And that nation did. And practically, we can take that. Preacher can say it. This is the word of God. Thus saith the word of God. Thus saith the word of God. If you, if you continue to despise God's word, they said it won't endure sound doctrine. Okay, then God's going to turn. He'll just, who is ready to hear? Who is ready to listen? It's the same in parenting. You can only do so much. You can only train them for so long. You can't train them until they're 40. They eventually got to get out and do and live and hear and on their own, on their own. But that nation despised God's word. And um, so Paul answers this objection. Was it really too difficult for Israel to understand? No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Then all of a sudden, a nation that's not seeking it. Tell me you don't see that all the time. You might run into somebody in a witnessing experience. They weren't really seeking God at all. And then all of a sudden, boom. That's the picture here. This nation isn't seeking. And unexpectedly, this gen these Gentile nations, God turned right to them. And now they're believing by faith. It was meant to provoke that nation to jealousy. Um, go, to, um, go back to Deuteronomy 32. I want to read that again. Deuteronomy 32. In Isaiah 65, he says, I am found of them that sought me not. Deuteronomy 32, 21. Let's look at it one more time. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities, and I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. That's the Gentile people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. That's a Gentile nation. God is purposefully prophesying that he will transfer his favor so that they will become jealous. And God finds a people who weren't even looking for him. How about that? Who's the ultimate seeker and initiator? God. You're talking about righteousness by faith and you want to talk about Christ being the center of all? You don't seek until someone first seeks. God's the seeker and the initiator. Go back to Romans 10. We'll look at the last verse and we'll look at the third quote. Romans chapter number 10 and we're in verse number 21. So first was Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people and by a foolish nation I will anger you. Verse number 20, but Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. This last verse in Romans chapter 10 is showing that God has never stopped pleading for his national people. And to this day, he has not stopped. 
And it's a beautiful passage in Isaiah 65. I should have asked you to stay there. But Isaiah 65 is where the quote is from. Look at verse number 2 in, in Isaiah 65. The Bible says, I have spread out my hands all the day unto a rebellious people, which walketh in a way that was not good, after their own thoughts. That's straight out of Romans chapter 10, verse 21. And it just astonishes me. And you know what? It should serve as a warning to you that God is pleading for sinners. And He's not going to stop. And He's doing the same thing specifically for this nation. Why would a nation, why would a human heart treat a God that is so good to them that way? That's our God, folks. He is so good to us that it's really hard when we think about how a human heart can treat the Lord and think about the Lord. So when Paul closes out this chapter, he goes right back to uh, the prophet Isaiah. And in verse 2, when he talks about this disobedience, man, I'll tell you, you think, you think raising kids is tough. It's just disobedience, just the refusal to obey. Try raising a nation. <laughs> You're talking about a spoiled nation. <laughs> Try raising a nation, amen. And so God says, I'm going to provoke you to jealousy because you're just not getting it. Gainsaying, a gainsaying people is the reference is, it's just a denying people, it's an opposing people. Um, again, saying people is a disagreeable people. God says this way, they got another way. God says, I want to go left. They say, well, I want to go right. God says, we're going to go up. They says, we're going to go down. God says, we're, this, this is what the feasts are going to be. Well, I don't want to do those feasts. I want to do these feasts. This is how you're going to worship me. No, I'd rather worship you this way. Would you just be quiet? It's a gainsaying people. It's, it's a disobedient people. It's a refusal to obey people. Um, it, it uses the word rebellious. You know what rebellion really is? It's the renouncing of the authority of God. But you know what is just so great we can learn? Even in their rebellion, what does God call them in Romans 10 verse 21? Look at it. Even in their rebellion, what does He call them? His people. Look at verse 21 in the beginning. But to Israel He saith, Look at the end, people. Isn't that something? In their rebellion and in their disobedience and in their gainsaying and in all their excuses, God still calls them His people. As it ended a beautiful way when He closes out this chapter, all the day long have I stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Will you do that? For your children or for your wife or for your husband or for your friend or for your co-worker or for this community? Will you continue to be there to stretch out God's truth? There's an application practically we can make. But doctrinally, God has not left His people. And He's not going to. And what's beautiful when we get into chapter number 11, He starts out with, I say then, hath God cast away His people? God forbid! <laughs> 
He tells us that. The idea of being rebellious and gainsaying and all that is, is connected to very clearly his love for that people, even in their state. Christ died for you as a sinner. And for this disobedient nation, he's there, outstretched arms. But he did provoke them to jealousy. And Israel was a princely people on the earth. Now they're broken and they're scattered because they've refused to value the goodness of the Lord. And they went lusting after carnal things. So God reached out to other heathen, dark, carnal nations to provoke them to jealousy. Um, Isaac had a blessing for his oldest son. And Esau was a profane person. And for a mess of pottage, he sold his birthright to Jacob. And after that whole thing played out, Esau basically just filled with jealousy. Now tell me that's not a picture of Israel. They sold their birthright for a mess of pottage. For those idols? <laughs> Your carnal appetite is that much? that you would sell your princely position on the earth for that. Really? <laughs> it's a sad thing. And jealousy is a, is, is, is a sad thing. And Paul brings out this jealousy that's stirred up in the heart of fleshly Israel because God has passed favor now. The favor is now passed from Israel to a heathen Gentile nation. And so there is a picture there. And you can't deny their birthright was brought to them in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. His genealogy can be traced back to Abraham. He's called the son of David. That's Israel's kingly Messiah. He's called the son of Abraham. It's going to bring God's blessings to all of humanity. We understand that. But look, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And when Christ was born, Israel just refused to recognize him as the Messiah. You know why? Why would you want to align yourself with the lowly Nazarene? Why would you want to align yourself with the suffering servant? It won't look good for your prestige. We want a king. We want a kingdom. <laughs> it's neat being a prince, isn't it? <laughs> so Christ came in the form of a lowly servant. And they are eventually going to love him for who he is, not for what he can give them. And you want to be, everyone longs for love properly, a, a, a proper love. Do you love me because I'm just giving you all these things? Or do you love me because you love me? That's what God's saying. I'm coming as a lowly servant. 
That's how he came his first time. And Israel is finally going to abandon all of that. But those scribes and Pharisees, they didn't care about Jesus. You know what they cared about? Their seats in the synagogue. Their prestige. And they just wouldn't recognize Him, so God turns to the Gentiles. You know how bad they hated our Savior for sitting and eating with sinners and publicans? Do you know how much they hated that? They wanted the seats in the synagogue. They wanted the prestige and everything that would come along with that. So they rejected God. But God has not abandoned Israel. So the last verse in Romans 10 says, But to Israel he saith, All day long I have stretched forth my hands, and it is, to his earthly people, it's outstretched, unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. He wants to bring them into something greater than the exaltation that comes from their fleshly lineage. What He wants to do now is bring them into something better. Salvation by grace in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what He wants them to come to individually today.